1 John chapter 4, verses 13 to 19. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed that a love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love he we love because he first loved us. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know, we're starting a sermon series called Fear Not. And there was, may have been some fear in planning that, uh, that bell selection. And Miss Abigail may have had some fear about coming up to read. But thank you for overcoming your fears. Thank you for being willing to lead us in worship this morning. So today we're starting a new sermon series called Fear Not, and I'm excited for where we're going over these next three weeks because I think these messages are so incredibly timely for us. When I was planning uh, during the summer and looking at how to fill the Sundays between All Saints Day and the first Sunday of Advent, which is coming on uh, November the 27th, friends, which means Christmas is coming too very shortly. When I was looking at how to plan for these three weeks between All Saints Day and Advent, we sort of kicked around lots of ideas about what we could preach on and what we maybe should preach on, what we thought might be good. But it wasn't until we looked at our world, at our nation, and everything that was happening during this time frame that it became clear where we should go. We needed to talk about fear. We needed to talk about fear because our world is currently dominated by fear. And fear is not just an emotion, but can become a condition that affects not only our relationship with God, but our relationships with others. Fear distorts how we perceive God. Fear distorts and prevents us from loving others the way that God has called us to love. And listen, we have very real and very human fears, don't we? Fears like pain and disappointment, misery, loneliness, ridicule, rejection, death, and failure. Doesn't failure sometimes feel like it might be worse, worse than death? These are existential fears that affect the condition of our heart, the condition of our soul. These are the fears that cause us to act up and to act out or to seize up and freeze up. They affect the inner conversation, our inner dialogue that we have with ourselves and the dialogue that we have with God. But there are more concrete fears than these, aren't there? It's interesting, Gallup did a poll a few years back about what Americans fear the most, and and it was interesting what they found. It reads like this, that Americans fear snakes. It's a well-founded fear, right? Especially in the South. Public speaking. Heights, being closed in a small space, spiders, 
I, I get an amens from the choir. <laughs> Needles and getting shots were high on the list. Mice were there. Flying on an airplane. Dogs. Thunder and lightning. Going to the doctor and the dark, right? Just the dark. Now, this is a much more concrete list, isn't it? I can identify with the part about snakes. I'm like Indiana Jones, anything but snakes. Heights, needles, and occasionally a spider. As a child of the 80s, I'm surprised that quicksand wasn't featured on the list. I thought that would be a much bigger problem than it apparently is. (laughs) I fly enough that flying really doesn't bother me all that much, and, you know, I speak a lot in public, and so public speaking is not a great fear of mine. I don't really have any clue how dogs could possibly make that list. I can't imagine anyone being afraid of Gus and Rose, our two beagles. And while I may not fear the dark, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night because of the creaking sounds I hear. We all have fears, don't we? We all have fears. And fear is a basic human emotion. All of us are going to experience feelings of fear in our life. We're all going to have moments when we are afraid. And your list of fears won't be the same as mine, but we can all identify some things on the lists that I've shared with you this morning that sort of cut you to the core. You know, if we're not worried about dogs, then we certainly fear rejection by those that we love. And we all think about our own death from time to time. When will it happen and what circumstances will surround it? If we're wise, we also wonder, what then? Fear is a basic human condition, but problems crop up in our lives when fear becomes the posture of our life. When we assume a posture of fear, day in and day out, fear becomes problematic for us. When fear becomes our default reaction to the world, we're not living in a healthy place, friends. And the problem is that our world is dominated by voices telling you that you should be afraid. Be very afraid. Why? I've told you this before, but fear sells. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, you can name any along a long list of stations and outlets for media that use fear to raise funds. They all cater to our fears about the future, about the economy, about our country, about our world, about our future. Think about it. We have fear about the economy, about our retirements and investments. Will the economy shake off inflation or will we move into a recession? I I go to CNN business just about every day and Every day the headline reads a little different, right? Never positive, by the way. Always, always filled with fear. And far less than optimism. Why? Because fear sells. We have fears about our country and its leaders. By the way, the midterm elections are on Tuesday. We worry about what's happening in Washington Washington, and what will happen in Washington. Not only that, but our politicians stoke our fears in order to get votes. Not to mention the fear many of us have about where the church and the denomination is heading. I met people all this week who had fears around who our bishop will be, who would be elected to lead us for the next two years. 
But what's interesting in a world filled with fear is what the words of Scripture have to say again and again and again. Because God, through the Scriptures, says to God's people again and again and again, fear not. Don't fear. Do not worry. In fact, some scholars say that there are 365 instances of God saying to fear not, enough for one reminder each day of the year. I was reminded of this just this past week in our disciple Bible study where we heard God say to the prophet Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah to not be afraid. Isaiah is an especially interesting prophet because he spends 39 chapters pronouncing judgment on the people of Israel for all that they have done, for all the ways that they've abandoned God and turned away from God. But in chapter 40, everything changes. He begins... He begins with comfort. Comfort my people. Do not fear. Do not be ashamed. It's as if Isaiah was saying, I've pronounced judgment over you, the judgment of God over you, but don't be afraid because even though you're going through the consequences of your sinfulness, God has not left you and will not abandon you, but will walk with you all the way, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are facing, no matter what the voices around you are saying, that you don't have to surrender to fear because God is still in control. God is still on the throne. And friends, Jesus is coming. Don't miss out on this. The world will tell you that we are going to be stuck in cycles of fear for generations. But as Christians, we know the end of the story, don't we? Hold on. You know the end of the story, don't you? Right? That there is a time that is coming when the old order of things will pass away and a new order will come. A day when there will be no more weeping or crying, where there will be no more brokenness or heartache or pain because God will have made all things new. We know the end of the story, friends, so fear does not get the last word in our lives. And fear should not be the condition that overwhelms our soul. You don't have to live in fear if you are in Christ. Because Jesus has the final word over your life. But how do we get there? How do we get to a place where our lives aren't riddled with fear? Because you can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and still be just eaten up with fear. I think... For us, overcoming the fear that's all around us begins with understanding that we are loved. Understanding that the God who created us is a God who loves us, a God who truly loves us. The evidence of this is that God sends His Son to die for us so that we can enter into an everlasting relationship with Him. Y'all, God loves us. I mean, really loves us. And God couldn't love us any more than God already does. And God is simply waiting for you and I to understand that His love for us not only accepts us, as we are, no matter how we are, but also has the power and capacity to transform every part of who we are as we lean into God's presence and power in our life. Conquering fear begins with understanding that we are loved, that we 
are loved, that you and I are the beloved of God, the apple of God's eye. We are God's prized possession. It's us, y'all. If you will, take a look with me this morning at 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 to 19. This letter, 1 John, I think is written by the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. And you can feel free to disagree with me on that, but that's okay. I think it's written by the same writer as the Gospel of John because of the parallels that we see between the two texts. And this letter appears to be from John who is writing to a church or a series of churches in and around Ephesus. And he chooses to take up the topic of God's love and fear. And this is what John writes. He says in verse 13, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. So if we are in Christ, then we have the gift of God's Spirit. Now what kind of Spirit has God given to us? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Not fear, but power and love and self-discipline. Each of these attributes has to do with how we act and react to the world around us. It's interesting when you think about what you lose when your life becomes controlled or consumed by fear. Fear limits our power. Fear makes us small and ineffective as followers of Christ. Fear prevents us from approaching God and certainly keeps us from reaching out to our neighbors. Fear causes us to overfunction, to do more than we ought to do and certainly more than we need to do. It also causes us to freeze and it limits our ability to live according to biblical wisdom. But the Spirit that God has given us is one which gives us courage and confidence. Courage and confidence. That Spirit keeps us from retreating away from the world, but instead sends us out into the world to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The love that we have from God empowers us to live with self-discipline and control. And more than that, love invites others into God's presence. John goes on. He says this, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in God... And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. John reminds us that when we accept Jesus' offer of grace and salvation, that God then takes up residence in us as we allow God's presence to grow in us, that we become more and more dependent on God's love for us. We become more and more centered on God's love for us. We find our identity. We find our hope. We find our future. We find our purpose. We find our passion. The whole of who we are in God's love. And that love conforms us to the image of Christ. This is exactly what John says. 
This is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence in the day of judgment that in this world, we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. If our lives are rooted in love instead of fear, then we become like Jesus. What do you think it might mean for us to be like Jesus? I think it certainly means that we're centered on God's love because Jesus was centered on God's love. Confident because Jesus was confident. Loving because Jesus was loving. Principled because Jesus was principled. Unafraid because Jesus was unafraid. Gracious because Jesus was gracious. All of these are gifts that come about in our lives when we ground ourselves in the love of God through Jesus Christ. When God's love is made complete in us, when our lives are no longer dominated by voices of fear, but by love, then we find the courage and the confidence for our daily lives. When God's love is made complete in us, then we don't have to fear what happens with the economy because we're loved by God. We don't have to fear what others think of us because we know what God thinks of us and we are loved by Him. We don't have to fear what happens in the future because we are loved by a God who has written our future. And that love strengthens us in and through whatever life happens to bring us. John punctuates this in verse 18 where he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. You know, it's easy to skip over that last part of verse 18, that the one who fears is not made perfect in love. But it actually gives me hope. Hope that God is still working in me and growing me. That moments when I am afraid, that instead of surrendering to fear, I can lean into God's presence and God can work on my heart, can work on my ongoing salvation, can work on my sanctification. My fear is not a reminder of how I should be resigned. It's a reminder of how I should be pressing in to God's work in my life. And I believe the same thing is true for you. That in moments of fear, rather than shrinking back because of what might happen, press into God's love. Because when you do, what you find is not fear, but strength, courage, and confidence for every day of your life. There is no fear in love. Why? Because love conquers fear. Because love strengthens our spirit and draws us together. We love because Jesus loved us first and His perfect love made visible to us in His life, death, and resurrection casts out all of our fear. So this morning, as we come to this table of grace, we come as disciples of Jesus Christ to hear voices of doubt and fear all around us. That's the truth. But still, we are confident that Jesus has overcome them all. Confident that the love of God not only accepts us, but empowers us to live and to love just like Jesus did. So today, 
we come to this table. We approach God's throne of grace without fear because we are loved. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you haven't abandoned us or run away from us, but instead you draw near to us and you call us back to yourself. Lord, forgive us for the times where we've listened to the voice of fear above your voice of love. Forgive us for the times that we have shrunk back instead of pressing in. Forgive us for the ways that we have distorted our relationship with you because of fear and for the ways that we've broken relationship with others because of our fear. God, help us. Move in us, center us in your love that we might more perfectly imitate your life your love, and the grace that you offer to this world. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.